Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Welcome, and uh, this is a sad day. We are all still in shock. Regan Russell, who is, was a beloved, popular, effective, strategic, uh, fun, clever uh, activist, animal activist in Canada with just a, a, a buoyant personality. I don't know if I ever met her. I've been to Canada, I've been to those vigils, but I've been watching video of her for two days. She's a, she was a gutsy lady. Well, she was run over and killed at a vigil, which we'll tell you what that is if you don't know, outside a Canadian slaughterhouse this past Friday, uh, June 19th, 2020. And she was exactly my age. So I really, that just, when I saw that she was born same year as me, it just really hit me in the gut. Like it could have been me. I identify with her so much. I identify with her attitude. I identify with her passion to wake people up about the horrors of modern day industrialized animal agriculture. Right now we have two people, uh, Brian, Brophy with the Save Movement, which organizes the vigils, and Camille Labchuk with Animal Justice. Both are attorneys, but first, human beings. So let's start with Camille. What runs through your heart as we mourn the death of Reagan Russell killed by a truck packed with pigs going into a slaughterhouse, run over? Well, Jane, it's so heartbreaking on just so many levels. I mean, the first level is the reason that she was there in the first place was to speak out on behalf of animals who are confined inside these transport trucks and trucked inside Beerman Slaughterhouse and slaughtered at a rate of 10,000 pigs per day. Um, It's a staggering number. And she was there almost every week, her friend said, because she cared so much about those pigs. And the reason she was there is because the government's not. The government doesn't really bother to oversee these transporters. Ostensibly, they have some laws, but they're seldom enforced. So citizens like Regan are the ones who have to stand vigil outside those slaughterhouses and expose this to the world. So it's heartbreaking that she was there because our society's failing animals. It's heartbreaking that members of the animal rights community in Toronto and around the world, the global safe community, has lost such an amazing, incredible, effective activist. And the third reason for me that it's so heartbreaking is that she was there on one of potentially the final days um, where it would have been legal to do the types of vigils that she was engaged in doing because the government here in Ontario just passed a law, an egg law, to crack down on the activities of the SAVE movement. And so her death is not only tragic and heartbreaking, but it's also political. Absolutely. And one of her final posts said Bill 156, the ag-gag bill that was just passed something like two days before she was run over is evil. That was one of the last things that she expressed on her Facebook page, Brian. Um, This is a one-two punch in the gut for animal activists globally. We are there because we can't sleep at night thinking about what happens to these terrified, thirsty young pigs 
who are jammed into these trucks and sent long distances only to face a horrific death for a product not only nobody needs, but that is killing us with heart disease, cancer, uh, global warming, human world hunger, animal agriculture is the leading destructive force in our world today. And here she is trying to wake the world up. She dies. Meanwhile, this horrific bill, 156, is passed. Is this a one-two punch against animal activists? And what can we do about it, Brian? Well, you're right. It is a it is a terrible sequence of events, and uh, I mean the human the human cost to Reagan and her family and friends is, uh, I suppose, uppermost. Uh, but in terms of uh, animal rights activism, it's certainly a big blow. Uh, I mean, but her friends have come out so much to these vigils uh, in honor of her and her life, really that uh, I think this is not going to work out well for the government. Um, there were already plans uh, that Camille would know more about than I do. There were already plans to uh, appeal uh, the uh, legislation on constitutional grounds. And really the whole process, we did deputations at standing committees to speak against the bill, although we knew the government had the votes to pass it anyways, but we wanted to put all that information on the record it got a lot of publicity, and really, this has brought public attention to the whole situation, which is sort of uh, from the animal agriculture industry. That was an unfortunate thing that they had to go through in order to get this piece of legislation that they wanted. So hopefully, we can use that momentum and go forward and do what Reagan would want us to do, which is to uh, uh, bring this information to the public and bring down that whole system. I said a prayer this morning and I said, Reagan, rest in peace. We will fight your fight. We will, you are a martyr and we will carry on and we will double down. And in your name, we will go forth with even more vigor to speak for these voiceless animals, to show people that this is torture. This entire industry is industrialized torture from the moment these babies are born. In fact, from the moment they're conceived, they are raped into existence. There is no making love on factory farms. Their babies are abducted from them and they're all tortured and killed in the process. Castration without anesthesia crates the size of their bodies where they can't turn around. And these are baby pigs, generally about six months of age, who've never known their mother, except maybe for a moment before they're ripped away from their mother, who've never touched grass, who've never seen the sky, kept in these hideous warehouses and then put on trucks, packed tightly into trucks for a long drive to the slaughterhouse where they arrive thirsty and confused and terrified. And what do people like Reagan do? What they do is they give water and comfort. Now, several years ago, Anita Crines, the founder of the SAVE movement, was arrested and charged with criminal mischief for doing that, for simply giving water to pigs at the very same location or nearby, right in that vicinity. And there was a famous trial, that's how I met Anita, 
And I'll, I'll never forget when the charges were thrown out, criminal mischief, she was acquitted. She walked outside. There was a scrum of media and it put the SAVE movement on the map. And now there's almost a thousand SAVE movements at slaughterhouses around the globe. So the law of unintended consequences, Camille, is always at work. What they thought they were going to shut down by arresting Anita and putting her on trial completely backfired. Is there a parallel in this situation with both, not to say, we the police are investigating Reagan Russell's death. We don't want to make any leaps about that. That there, we don't, nobody's been arrested. There's no charges at this point. Police are investigating. They've taken some of the uh, footage that activists were around there going live on their phones, as we all do, and they're analyzing it. But in terms of the impact of her death and the passage of this uh, nefarious Bill 156, could this also activate the law of unintended consequences, Camille? Well, absolutely, Jane. Jane, as you know, this is an industry that only survives because of imposed secrecy. The meat industry simply can't stand the public scrutiny that it gets when people start talking about the reality of what it does to animals. They can't stand the light of day. And I think, as you pointed out, when Anita was charged with criminal mischief for the compassionate act of giving water to pigs, that backfired big time on that industry. Not only was it a story locally, it was a story around the world. It was a global story. It spurred the development of so many more new save chapters. I'm sure it made so many more people vegan as a result of that exposure. And that's exactly what we've already seen with egg gag laws passed in U.S. states. So this is uh, the second Canadian province now, Ontario, to pass an egg gag law. But of course, south of the border, our, our friends down there, you folks have dealt with egg gag laws for years. And we've seen this movie before. Every time an egg gag law is passed and then challenged in court, it ends up being a drawn out process over the course of a number of years where citizens are asking, what is it that the government and the industry are colluding with these egg gag laws to try to hide? And once they start asking those questions, they start uncovering proofs that the industry would prefer to keep hidden. So I think it always backfires uh, when the industry tries to double down and hide its practices. And I think the fact that so many people are now talking about why Reagan was outside of that slaughterhouse in the first place, why she had to be there, and why she spent 40 years of her life as an activist, I think that's going to bring even more public scrutiny and eyes on this industry that so many people find so odious, and then even more will as a result. I spent the weekend writing up a story for Jane Unchained on Reagan Rus Russell's horrific death, and um, also looking at the footage uh, that was coming in live. Uh, we had sent somebody out there, Ray Kowalchuk, who did a great job. And then uh, Anita Krines, the founder of the SAVE movement, went out there. There were overnight vigils. There was a blockade. There were speeches with bullhorns. And uh, Reagan Russell's family came out. And I saw there was a scrum of media there. So already there is attention being brought to this. And it's terrible that a tragedy has to occur for the media to get out there and cover this issue, which relates to all of the problems that the media purports to care about. Climate change, human world hunger, uh, you know, uh, racial injustice too. I mean, globally, it's people who are at the lowest rung uh, of society, often in the United States, immigrants who have precious choice about what job they are going to get, who are 
designated to do the killing for all the other people who are walking around saying, Himsa, I love animals because I have a dog or a cat. So um, every issue that we're grappling with today, um, you know, revolves around our treatment of animals. Do you see this, Brian, as a turning point in the movement? You know, often, as we're seeing with other movements, a tragedy activates people, mobilizes people, takes a cause up to the next level. Do you see the, this moment as that for the animal rights movement? It is quite possibly a turning point for the animal rights movement. Uh, I mean, only time will tell. And certainly all the activists uh, in a heartbeat would trade all this free publicity and so on, would give it away if we could go back to five minutes before Reagan was killed. That is not an option. So we're going to take advantage of this publicity and this public outcry. And I, th I think you're right. It could be a turning point. We're seeing a lot more attention, uh, a lot more concern about the whole situation. As you say, Reagan was concerned with all sorts of social issues. This was not a, uh, a one-off sort of thing. She had done it for many years and she'd done other things. Uh, I think she had recently marched uh, for Black Lives Matter in uh, Kitchener-Waterloo, which is not, not even her hometown. And uh, her, uh, her parents attended the vigil and uh, they have that sort of history. They were just lovely people. Uh, they, were, they were obviously uh, heartbroken, but they were not angry or anything. They felt that uh, Reagan had lived her life exactly the way she wanted to. And uh, this was just, uh, you know, the tragic outcome, but they weren't angry at anyone or thinking, oh, well, she shouldn't have done that and ended up in that dangerous situation. We've got some callers. Uh, let's start with Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay, what is your question or thought for our panel? Yes. Hi, Jane. I was just wondering, you know, I just got on a little bit late on the broadcast, so I don't know if you mentioned this, but why isn't the media coverage, uh, isn't more media coverage happening? And how can people like myself, who is outraged at this and wants to do everything we can to help expose this industry, how can we do digital activism? What can we do to help get this word out? What can we do to get the news media to cover it and get the word out? Thank you, Lindsay. I think there's Hello? a lot of coverage. Yes, thank you, Lindsay. I think there's a lot of coverage, but it's not global in the sense that I know Huffington Post did a story. But, you know, yes, this should be uh, something that the entire world media should be talking about right now. And I know it's big in Canada, but I don't know how big it is anywhere else, Camille. It's not as big as it should be, Jane, frankly. This should be the catalyst for global coverage, um, exposing really this industry for what it is and elevating the animal rights movement. And we haven't seen that yet. But um, one amazing thing that is in the works, and Brian can speak more to this perhaps than I can, the SAFE movement is a global movement. The SAFE movement has people in many countries around the world. And many of those chapters of the Animal Save Movement have organized local vigils. So, Lindsay, if you are somewhere where you can or attend one of those local vigils, um, that would be a really good way of drawing attention to Regan's death and the circumstances and, and the industry itself. I think you can find out more information by visiting the Animal Save Movement Facebook page and checking out their event listing for uh, Justice for Regan vigils. Yeah. Now, uh, we've got one more caller. Lisa, what is your question or thought? 
Hi, Jane. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I, I, am devast- I am just devastated. I was in Ontario, uh, in Toronto, for uh, Anita's trial. I was in the courtroom when the judge acquitted her. That was such a, 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 a powerful and pivotal moment in my, my career in, in animal rights. And now, given what's, this incredible tragedy that's happened to Reagan Russell, my heart goes out to her and her family, and I, of course, we, would, we, we all wish that we could go back to, as, as one of your guests was saying, five minutes before this tragedy happened. But since it has happened, we have to take, we must take this as a catalyst and at least uh, give meaning to her death by letting this catapult the, nat- the, the world save movement to a whole other level where there are more vigils. Now, the fact that there is a, a the, the AGOG 156 got slipped in when we weren't, weren't watching closely enough I, is just horrific. It, it has to be appealed. It has to be appealed. And I think maybe this will be the catalyst to do that. I, I want to I encourage everyone who is listening uh, to this broadcast, please go to thesavemovement.org. Find out if there is a organization, if there is a chapter near where you live. And if there is not one, you can start it. And that information is right on the website. Camille, I believe that maybe you can maybe speak to that uh, so that people movement. can sign Thank up. Because I think this could be a great catalyst to, to take this to give meaning to her death and take this to a whole other level. I appreciate what you have to say. You know, it's a feeling. I woke up this morning feeling like her spirit has imbued all of us with a renewed determination. At first, I was just shocked. I couldn't believe it. I, we were actually live when on a call like this, when we heard about it, and then Ray Kowalczyk, who was a Jane Unchained contributor in Canada, got in his car and raced to the scene, and we went live, and then the shock, like the disbelief and shock, just turned to, you know, grief, and then the next day, outrage. Like, what is going on with this industry? Uh, people are dying in slaughterhouses Across the world, but I know in the United States, these meat processing workers are getting COVID-19. It's, it's a hotbed of COVID-19. It's one of the three top hotbeds, along with nursing homes and prisons, slaughterhouses, nursing homes, prisons. People are dying. So for those who have long accused us and said, well, you don't care about people, which is not true. We care. We want to end world hunger. We want to end uh, people dying unnecessarily from heart disease because of a lousy diet. We we do care about children, two-thirds of whom are overweight or obese right now. And I see it when I was out at a park yesterday. I finally went out to a park two days ago just to get some air. And I saw the kids playing, and I was like, they're all almost exclusively overweight. That's not healthy. They're getting uh, diabetes at young age, which is completely as a result of our fast food diet, which is primarily meat and dairy laden. We do care about people, but now people are literally dying, run over by a slaughterhouse truck, dying in uh, meat packing. That's what they call them on the media because they don't want to say slaughterhouse. They're dying in slaughterhouses of COVID-19. Not just one or two, dozens and dozens. It's time for people to stand up and say enough. 
with this industry that is causing so much wreckage. All right, we're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio, but we're staying live on Facebook. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance featuring Dan Clark, the modern day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Jane Velez Mitchell here for Jane Unchained with two amazing guests. We've got Brian Bofi, uh, representing the SAVE movement, and Camille Labchuk of Animal Justice, both in Canada, both new the woman who was run over on Friday and killed by a uh, p- pig slaughter truck, a truck packed with pigs. Now, this happened just a couple of days after the same region of Canada passed an infamous, notorious bill, Bill 156, that basically what they're trying to do is shut down the vigils. They're trying to shut down the undercover investigations that show the horror that most people can't look at for 30 seconds, much less uh, condone. So what does this bill do, Camille, and what are we doing to challenge it? Well, the bill does a couple of very dangerous things, which in my view are completely unconstitutional. So the way the bill attacks vigils is twofold. First, it says that it's an offense to stop trucks bringing animals to slaughter. Now, the way safe movement vigils typically unfold is the point of a vigil is to bear witness to the animals in their final moments, provide them with some comfort, and sometimes provide them with water if it's a scorching hot day. Uh, on Friday, when Regan was run over, it was a scorching hot day. Um, I got out there not long after, and we were there all afternoon in the heat, and it was unbearable. And I can't even imagine being a pig stuck on one of those trucks for hours, potentially days at a time. So what the bill does is it says that you can't stop the trucks. It says you can't interact or interfere with animals on those trucks. Now, that directly targets the activity of giving water to suffering, thirsty pigs who are really experiencing heat on those scorching hot days. 
And it's also not even clear what interacting means. Does that mean taking photos? Does that mean speaking with the pigs? Does that mean touching their snouts if they offer them through the holes of the truck? It's very, very vague and unconstitutional. So those two aspects of the bill are directly geared at shutting down the vigils. And then the other provisions in the bill are geared at shutting down undercover exposés. Now, are you going to challenge it? Are we going to go to court? Because I know that Anita, um, who is my hero, okay? And I'll just say something personal. My mother was named Anita, and my mother died at 99 and a half, and she was the original animal rights activist. And soon after my mother died, I met Anita, and I thought, wow, my mother's name and this woman, this incredible woman who just inspires me so much with her... um, you know, passion and purity and organizational abilities and her knowledge of history and Tolstoy and community organizing. And so when she was put on trial and we went there to videotape it, and I'll never forget her walking out of the courthouse when the when it, basically the case was thrown out because it was garbage and she was standing there and there was all this media. And I'd like to say we were the only ones going live. There was a lot of media there, but we were live. Jane Unchained was live. And I just thought this is a moment in history. This is a moment in history because it totally boomeranged, totally boomeranged on the industry. Now, how can we make sure that Bill 156 totally boomerangs on the industry? One of the things Anita did was hire two very smart vegan lawyers who put animal agriculture on trial, who brought in a veterinarian to show how smart pigs, that they have, how smart pigs are. They have the emotional and intellectual development of toddler human children. They can do math equations. They watch television. They are very intelligent animals. And when you look at them in the trucks, it's like you're looking at a person, their eyes are staring at you and you are staring at a person. But unfortunately, animals do not have personhood. They are considered property. And that's why they can be abused in the way they're abused. And factory farm animals have the least protections. Protections that dogs and cats have, factory farm animals do not have. So what are we going to do to challenge this law and make it boomerang, just like the Anita Crimes trial? Well, Jane, you're right. You point out that animals are considered property under the law, and they don't currently have legal rights of their own. So that's why when egg-gag laws come up, like they have in the States, the lawyers who go to court and fight those laws, and animal justice does intend to do that. We are a group of lawyers. We're a nonprofit focused on legal advocacy and improving the legal status of animals and protecting the rights of those who speak out for them, because that's a critical part of the equation. And what we intend to do is rely on those human rights of the people who speak out on behalf of animals to fight this bill in court. We believe it's unconstitutional because it restricts our freedom of expression, which is the same thing as your free speech doctrine in the States. If you're preventing people from filming what's going on inside those slaughter trucks full of pigs or chickens or cows, or if you're preventing somebody from getting a job in a factory farm or a slaughterhouse for the purpose of exposing the illegal cruelty that is always seen, then the government is interfering with our rights to free speech. And that's why we at Animal Justice believe that this bill is unconstitutional in many respects, and that those parts should be struck down, just as they have been now in five different states. We've got Idaho, Utah, North Carolina just the other week. Uh, we've got Kansas. We've got Iowa. It's um, this legislation is clearly unconstitutional and the government knows it, the industry knows it. And um, when it gets to court and they're exposed, uh, 
animal advocates are going to win and the industry and government are going to lose. And um, one of our activists has just sent us and posted on the comment page what Anita would like us to do. It's a long list, but it's right on the comment page on Facebook. And essentially it involves uh, calling the slaughterhouse in question, the police that are investigating. And here are some other demands. Ask the prime minister, the premier, and your local politician to make a statement on Reagan Russell and the right of activists to protest safely. Two, enact a Reagan's law that guarantees the right to bear witness and repeal Ontario Bill 156. Three, demand government stop subsidizing animal agriculture and switch the subsidies to farmers and companies going plant-based. Four, um, charges should be laid against those individuals involved. And for legal reasons, I'm just saying at this point, um, make sure that the police do a thorough investigation of uh, the situation and that justice is served. And uh, there should be a public inquiry that looks at the systemic problems that enabled this tragedy to happen. Okay. And there needs to be safety agreements so activists can bear witness safely. And then she goes on to say that the slaughterhouse is killing pigs, the planet, people by increasing preventable diseases, workers and activists um, in danger. And we demand that this, this slaughterhouse switch to becoming a plant-based operation. Now, let me say this. I attend here. I live in L.A. and I attend the incredible vigils that occur outside a pig slaughterhouse in downtown, right near downtown L.A., technically in Vernon. And uh, they're run by Amy Jean Davis and Ellen Dent. And they work very closely with law enforcement. Law enforcement helps them out. They're our friends. Several of the police officers, one in particular who was in charge of overseeing the vigils, has gone vegan. Okay? They, there's not an adversarial relationship. And um, that, to me, is the goal. So what can be done? I mean, it's not constitutional to say that people can't stand on a street corner and um, express comfort to pigs and that just touching a truck is um, somehow a violation. I mean, aren't there any laws that say if an animal is thirsty and suffering and panting and foaming at the mouth that you're allowed to give this animal water? Camille. You know what? The industry, the farming industry, the meat industry, the air, egg industry, the dairy industry, that's who writes the laws regarding farmed animals. There are, of course, laws like of general application in the province of Ontario and Canada and elsewhere that say you can't cause an animal to be in distress. But there's a glaring giant loophole there when it comes to animals on farms. The laws say that any standard practices that farmers are engaged in, basically, generally accepted practices, are exempt. So they can cause distress that would otherwise be illegal if you're doing it to a cat or a dog. But if you're doing it to a farmed animal, it's fine as long as it's a standard practice in the farming industry. So you're saying to the farming industry, you guys can define what a standard practice is. And the government's not going to get involved unless it's something so abject and so, um, you know, brutal and vicious. So in practice, the only time we see charges laid against people engaged in farming are when you see animals being beaten for, for no reason. 
um, animals with, you know, serious neglect issues where they all starve to death. But many of the standard industry practices like, you know, cutting the tails off of baby piglets without anesthesia, um, thumping piglets to kill them. That's where you, a farmer takes a piglet, throws them against a concrete floor, basically bashes their brain in. Um, de-beaking chickens without anesthesia, keeping chickens in battery cages that are so small they can't spread their wings. These are all standard practices, and so they're legal. Now, animal transport, there are some rules about transporting animals, um, but they're so weak and they're so seldom enforced by the federal government that they're practically meaningless. I can't tell you the number of times that Save Movement advocates have called the government and said to the CFIA, our food inspection agency, that animals are suffering on a truck, they're arriving frozen, they're arriving overheated, they're suffering from heat exhaustion, and almost never do those offenses get prosecuted. I mean, this is the problem, is that the, the criminal justice system doesn't acknowledge any of that. And um, the laws are right there on the books. We see it in many different circumstances regarding many different instances of animal cruelty where it's just like there is no enforcement, just like the USDA inspectors here in the United States look the other way to the most horrific treatment of animals. That was documented on tape when USDA inspectors were present and they were dragging down cows to slaughter. And that is completely illegal because down cows have the potential of transmitting diseases to humans and they were right there and they never saw a thing, see no evil, hear no evil. So Brian, what, what is the next step? What, what can be done and why uh, maybe they are involved, but I would think this would be a constitutional issue that would have Canadians version of the UCLA, uh, um, and ACLU, <laughs> ACLU and all these other um, constitutional rights organizations jumping together to, to, to say this. I mean, this is, if this is allowed to happen, then Imagine undercover investigations for any other kinds of abuses could be shut down at nursing homes, in prisons, in, in any other institutions. This is something that should spark global outrage for people who don't consider themselves animal activists necessarily. Yeah, Jane, uh, many of the opponents to Bill 156 were animal rights activists like us, of course. But I believe there was also a submission made by the Canadian Association of Journalists for the sort of reasons that you're pointing out. Uh, the government basically wants to outlaw undercover and whistleblower type investigations and information, which is you know, the main source for the sort of stories that are so important. Uh, you mentioned uh, nursing homes, long-term care facilities. In Canada, as in the United States, that's another uh, very problematic area. The, the pandemic has brought to light a lot of problems that could have you know, uh, been revealed earlier if uh, whistleblowers had been encouraged to bring that forward. So it's the exact moment in history when we realize how important that sort of information is that the government is clamping down on it. It's, uh, it's very disheartening. As you said, the uh, Animal Save Movement has that list of things to do. We want uh, the MPPs, the members of provincial parliament who opposed uh, Bill 156, even though it's been passed, it hasn't officially been proclaimed and taken effect. So uh, I mean, in the United States, when something passes, if it's a state law, the governor has to sign it. If it's a national law, uh, the, the president has to sign it. Is it a similar situation in Canada where it's passed, but the person who has to sign it say this is now law hasn't signed it yet? 
Well, no, this one has also received royal assent, but it hasn't been gazetted and said that this is the date on which it takes effect. So it's very unlikely that we're going to be able to stop that. But there is this moment in history where we can reiterate all the problems with this and in the light of Reagan's death. Well, which lawyers are on this? Because I would think that a team of lawyers right now would be drafting uh, some kind of injunction, a request for an injunction to stop this, holding news conferences. I mean, this is an opportunity to um, do exactly what Anita did with the pig trial is put the industry on trial. So does anybody know, either one of you, uh, what's happening in terms of challenging this law? right now because yeah. the media is paying attention and i know having been in the media for four decades they have a very short attention span it's not just having a good story it's having a good story at the right time go ahead camille yeah absolutely jane and and animal justice and partners that we're working with will definitely be challenging this law in court uh, as brian notes it's not yet in effect and so no legal challenge can be filed until that happens we're expecting at this point the government's going to take several months to consult on some regulations it wants to introduce to further undermine our rights under this law. And so after they do that, then we'll be able to file a challenge. Um, now, is there any possibility of saying that you would hold a news conference to urge them um, to not do that? Like, in other words, I I'm not a lawyer, but I've covered many big criminal cases and uh, I've, I know I've worked with lawyers who are very, very adept at using moments in time to get publicity for whatever reason, but it's a technique that gets news coverage. Um, when there was a big case where uh, a, a super celebrity, I'll leave the names out of it, uh, did something that was very shocking and got global publicity, uh, a very smart lawyer named Gloria Allred held a news conference impromptu and said, I demand an investigation by XYZ agency into this and, and got all the news media. Did she file anything? Did she wait for any? No, she used the moment. Okay. And this is what uh, lawyers who are very media savvy do. They know when uh, a story is hot. It's sad, but this is the world we live in where it's not just like the powers that be wake up every morning and say, what's the right thing to cover? It's really about what's in the news. Hot topics is what they call it. So um, this is a hot topic right now. What about attorneys getting a group of attorneys together and holding a news conference for the Canadian uh, media to say that this is unconstitutional. We urge that it not be passed. And uh, we urge that, you know, uh, right now we take this moment to uh, reconsider this horrific bill and please know that the second it is enacted, there will be a slew of legal challenges. Here's what we're going to challenge, among other things. You don't have to play all your cards, but you, can, you could basically take this moment in time to, to have that news conference. Because one of the things that I've noticed is that in Canada, where there is a tendency, stories that wouldn't get as much play in the United States because there's so much happening with 50 states and uh, you know tremendous 
24-hour news coverage of a multitude of things, the Canadian news cycle seems more adept to, more, more um, suited to cover something that's a little bit more highbrow. Uh, I've seen that. I mean, for example, uh, Anita's trial got so much more coverage than I think if the same exact incident would have happened here in the United States. So um, what are your thoughts on that? We'll start with Brian. Well, those are great ideas, Jane. I mean, we're uh, we're waking up every morning in a different stage of uh, shock and grief and uh, coming up with different ideas all the time. Uh, I'm sure the plans are changing on the fly and uh, we could well see some of the things you're talking about in the uh, in the near future. All right, and then we've got uh, Simone on hold, um, but I want to get your answer, Camille. What are we going to do about that? Yeah, you know, absolutely, more attention needs to be paid to this. Um, now that the bill has passed, I mean, it's almost unheard of that the government would stall the bill or repeal it after it's been passed, but not formally brought into law. So there were some news conferences during the committee hearing process, and that got quite a lot of attention, but there's always more that can be done. And in fact, my theory as a lawyer working on behalf of animals is that the work you can do in court is only half of the work. The work you do with the media is what really drives people's attitudes and makes them change personally and really puts those issues on the agenda. Yeah, and it doesn't really matter as far as I can see, being somebody who has studied the media and been in it, whether it's technically effective or not. It's about seizing the day, seizing the moment in time when media considers that a hot story. So I would urge you all to get your lawyers together and hold a news conference. Uh, that's my personal suggestion. Okay, Simone, we've got Simone on hold. Hey. Question or thought? Hi. Hi. So first of all, you know, we are definitely all in mourning about Reagan, but to try to look at, you know, what she, I believe, would want is that her death not be in vain and that she is as much of an activist out of her physical body as she was in her physical body. And I think that it's really important to make sure that we are tweeting and using social media to talk about this ag-gag bill that got pushed forward, that we tag all of the Canadian and American human rights organizations because what we know is that whistleblower laws that get passed, they gateway to other, uh, other laws. You know, they're always using, well, this got passed, so that can get passed. This is an issue when you involve whistleblowers that affect every, it, you know, every single person, every single animal in the world. So I think we really need to work on cross-pollinating the animal rights movement and get other uh, organizations that are not typically geared just toward animals to get on our side because this affects everyone. Excellent, excellent idea. Of course it affects human rights. This is what just infuriates me. I'm listening to an incredible book right now called uh, Merchants of Truth, which is otherwise a very brilliant book, but it talks about you know serious media, old media versus new media, and um, which you'd call more frivolous media, a very good examination. But at one point the author says, you know, sort of citing a uh, frivolous story. And so who cares when a bunch of vegans go into a restaurant in Toronto and a um, irate um, restaurant owner or chef comes out holding a leg of lamb as an example of a frivolous story. Now, this is obviously a highly intelligent person who has mastered all the nuances of, of, of journalism. It's a great book. But I thought, 
My God, don't you realize that? No, she doesn't. Animal agriculture is the leading cause of world hunger. It is the leading cause of human disease and death. It is the leading cause of um, our healthcare mess. It is the leading cause of climate change, which a new white paper has made that assertion. But even if you don't believe that, it's a leading cause. It's the leading cause of habitat destruction. It's the leading cause of wildlife extinction. How can you say that that story is a frivolous story? This is the problem with the media. So they don't want to do the math. They don't want to do the math. Why? Because they want to go home and eat their piece of dead flesh. And this is how when we can break through at moments like this, because it doesn't matter why they care about the issue, just that they care about the issue for that moment. So it doesn't matter why somebody decides to stop eating meat. It's just that then they've stopped and other reasons will occur to them afterwards. Just like when people quit drinking, it doesn't matter whether, well, a judge told, told them that they had to go to get help. After they get help, they'll start finding other benefits. But we've got to use these moments that we have to, to speak for these animals. Regan would want us to do it. And I know some people call her Reagan, some people call her Regan. But I think Regan is what I heard. So we're going to take another short break, and uh, but we're going to stay live on Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America in Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. We are talking about the tragic death of Regan Russell, who was run over this past Friday, June 19th, 2020, um, while bearing witness, giving water to pigs and comforting young, terrified pigs heading into a slaughter 
house in Canada and she was hit and killed by a slaughterhouse truck. An investigation is underway. Um, and we're here with Brian Bofi of, uh, Brophy, sorry, of the Save Movement and Camille Labchuk of Animal Justice. So um, I find that some of the best ideas come out of these live conversations. Um, in fact, we're implementing a Jane Unchained, one of them that came out of another live conversation where we were talking about how COVID-19 has provided a window of opportunity for animal farmers to confront the horror of their industry when they have to kill the animals themselves. And we launched essentially an animal-free farming program in coordination with uh, Renee King-Sonan, who is a former cattle rancher turned vegan uh, animal activist. We're doing our first interview with a former rancher turned vegan veganic farmer today at 3 p.m. Pacific as part of this new initiative. And that all came out of a live conversation uh, because I think it focuses the mind when you're live. And one of the critiques that I have of the um, vegan movement in general, and it may reflect my own impatience as a character defect that I have personally, but I think that everything takes too long. The bad guys are fast, they're efficient, they're strategic, and they don't play by the rules. And we're thoughtful and, uh, you know, we contemplate things and we say, well, the appropriate time to do this. And, and, then to, and you know what? That's, that's old thinking. I mean, we're living in a 24-7, 365 news cycle where it's uh, grabbing the attention at the window of opportunity. This Regan would love, I'm sure, I don't want to speak for her, but I, uh, I know that in her honor, if, if Bill 156 was taken down, she would be smiling from heaven. And I think that the media is, this is a story. It's, the stories have a cycle. And when the cycle ends, it doesn't matter how good the information is, they're not interested because they're on to the next thing. So I would, 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 the attorneys present consider seeing what you can do now to 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 grab that window of opportunity to make the connection between her death and this insidious bill that has just been passed that attempts to essentially um, squelch out the rights of Canadian citizens to uh, be on a public space and to stop um, the suffering of animals who are right in front of them, thirsty. Camille. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jane. This connection needs to be made. And, you know, I didn't know Regan very well, but one thing I do know about who she was is that she would hate for her death to be exploited by the meat industry and by the government that passed this bill to attempt to justify what they've done, because we know what they're eventually going to say. They're going to say that this is why they passed this law in the first place. They're going to say that they don't want people stopping trucks for their own safety. When we know that's not the case, we know that people involved with the animal safe movement know how to keep themselves safe. They've got safety protocols. They follow them. It's the truckers who create that risk. It's the truckers who move into areas where safe advocates are still standing. And, you know, this is by far from the first time that this type of thing has happened, including at Fearman Slaughterhouse and many other slaughterhouses where people hold vigils. There's all kinds of videos on the Internet of truckers um, moving forward and hitting people. Thankfully, no one has been injured or died until now. 
But we know that Reagan would not want her legacy to um, go to waste and that you're right, Jane, it's absolutely the time to use this to amplify the message that she spent 40 years of her life trying to convey, which is that people need to go vegan, that animals need legal protections. That was one of the signs that she often held up. Animal, all animals need legal protections. And for us, that's the message going forward. I can tell you I'm more motivated than ever before, and everyone is, all the lawyers of animal justice, to fight this cruel legislation in court and to strike it down in Regan's honor. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right to anticipate they're going to use this as an excuse to justify the law. That's why to get out first is important. And the truth is that people standing around, it's uh, obvious that there is a moment where they can, what should happen is what happens in Vernon, right here in downtown LA, that the police and the uh, visual attendees coordinate uh, and that it's um, something that the police facilitate, okay? And that the police officers know the truck is stopped. There is a certain amount of time to give water to the pigs. Then the pigs go in. So we know it can be done safely. And so definitely expect them to use this as exhibit A as to why they passed the law. So whoever frames the debate wins the debate. If you wait, they will frame the debate and they will win the debate. So you need to frame the debate and say that this is an example of why we need to have it be a process where there is um, a procedure, just like there is in Los Angeles. Nobody's ever had any problems in Los Angeles, okay? Any more than uh, it would be life-threatening to take your car through a car wash. Car's moving slowly, there's a procedure, it gets to the other end, you get in and you drive away. This isn't brain surgery. It can happen. And so I think it's very important to make that distinction. Uh, and this is really about constitutional rights. And uh, if isn't there a law, Brian, somewhere that says if you see an animal in distress, you have the legal authority to help that animal? Because I know this has come up with dogs in hot cars, for example, where people leave their dogs in hot cars and then we're running out of time. I think we're all at the end, but let me let me get that because I think that's an important point. Yeah. Is there is there a legal justification? We know there's a moral justification. Is there a legal justification to be able to give these pigs water? I believe uh, there is some relatively recent legislation in Ontario that includes that sort of thing. Now, very hypocritically, the government referred to that when we objected to Bill 156. They said, well, don't worry. There's protection for animals in this other legislation we just passed. But as Camille pointed out, that specifically exempts uh, farmed animals. So it's really irrelevant. They were, it was a red herring that they kept repeating over and over again. So it doesn't, as you say, technically, legally, it doesn't apply to farmed animals, but morally it does. Well, you know, uh, it, I, I'm a, sometimes I'm ashamed to be a human being. When I look into the eyes of these pigs, all of this torture, all of this environmental wreckage, this health wreckage, all for what? Because we're conditioned to think that we're entitled to eat animals. All right, I wanna thank both of you, we're out of time. Um, may you rest in peace, Regan Russell, 
We love you. And you are a martyr. We will fight forward in your name. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And please share this out, everyone. And take the action points that are on the uh, comment section. All right. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. <laughs>